welcome to Laps Gamer Radio. It's that time of year again. Uh, the final days of 2018 are drawing in. I almost said the final days are drawing in, but with Brexit bit approaching. Well, you know, it could be, for all we know. Could be. We could be in the final days. But anyway, uh, yeah, 2018 is drawing to a close. So as is tradition around here, we've gathered round to discuss uh, our game of the year. Now, as usual, we do things a little bit differently. Um, you'll notice if you listen to Game of the Year episodes in the past, but if you're new to Lapsed Game Radio, because we're all lapsed gamers to some extent, uh, we don't pick our favourite games of the year. Uh, we pick our favourite games that we played this year because, you know, sometimes we, we, you know, we don't get a chance to play all the new and shinies all the time. Sometimes we play games that are, you know, quite a few years old. Uh, so it's it's a little bit different so you don't expect to see a comprehensive list of the best games in our opinion of 2018 there's a, at least two on my list that are from 2016 so <laughs> there you go uh anyway i'm joined by nick andy and chazzy good evening hello hello adam is stuck in near earth orbit and can't make it tonight so he's sending in his lists by uh satellite or something a carrier pigeon space carrier pigeon i don't know so we'll insert those as and when we'll get right into it first of all uh dearly departed um that's no he's not dead um <laughs> it's a bit dark. yeah that's like I an know. eastenders christmas oh, special yeah. <laughs> uh the lgr alumni um past and hopefully again future team members uh stew at saintly stew uh saintly stewart on uh twitter uh, messaging with with his list uh we asked him just to provide us what his top 10 games of the year were and he didn't have a top 10 he had a top 250 so um he finally wilted it down he says uh no, no one to 10 uh as i did well getting 10 plus 2 out of a list of 250 plus so in alphabetical order uh his games of the year of the alpha device the last day of june mario and rabbits on switch um Mighty Switch Force, Next Machina, Steamworld Dig, Steamworld Heist, Subsurface Circular, uh, Up Left Out, and Virginia. And honourable mentions go out to Augmented Empire, which uh, and Esper, which are both uh, Gear VR games. Mm. It's quite. A, I'd like to see the full list of two, all two hundred and fifty games that Stu's played. I mean, he is on fire at the moment. He's monster. He submitted and completed thirty-one. Was it? Codec momentum, Some th- somewhere month? around there, yeah, thirty or 30. thirty-one or thirty-five, yeah, something ridiculous. Like he he averaged a, a game a day, um, finished last month. Uh, the man's a machine. Um, there's a few games on there that I that I haven't heard of, so uh, I want to check some of those out. But Marion Rabbits is great. Next Machina is awesome oh, it's, it's one of the greatest arcades yeah. like twin stick shooters you could that was almost play. on my list to be so fair good. and it, i didn't put it on because I, it's the, for the same reason as uh, Trackmania turbo hasn't got on my list it's because it's that is a constant perennial game that i go back to again and again and again yeah. so it's it, that game is so tight and well put together it's incredible yeah it hasn't left my hard drive since i downloaded it when it came out it's it's incredible uh yeah. steam world dig um i've played a bit of but i need to get back into it. steam world heist is amazing uh, i've played that on um, switch and it's like uh, 
turn-based sort of XCOM game, but like on a 2D cross-section of ships with like the Steam World clanky rusty robot characters and it's got a lot of charm and a lot of humor uh, and it's actually really quite complex and tactical and it's definitely worth checking out if you're into that sort of game subsurface circular i absolutely love there's a video uh, me and adam did about that uh, up on the youtube channel to check that out and virginia is one that i have pledged on codec moments like three months in a row and they never actually got around to playing even <laughs> despite the fact it's only supposed to be like a, an hour or so long so I need to get around to that. But good list. I still also said no worst or disappointing games. As every developer that ships a game should be congratulated on achieving that much. Yes. Well, I disagree. So oh. I've got some. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some disappointments. Oh, we've all got disappointing games, oh. but you know, we'll be nice for now. Tis the year for raising grievances. Um, <laughs> right. Let's move on to our number five. So, yeah, as as in previous years, we're going to count down our five, number five, four, and three in this episode. And then in the next episode, we'll do our honorable mentions, our most disappointing games of the year, and then our top two. And then you'll be able to see um, our entire top ten, so the, the rest of the list plus the ones we talked about in a blog form, uh, which will be appearing sporadically over the next month or so up on uh, the website lapsgamer.com. Uh, so without further ado, let's jump straight in. And we've just received a, an electronic space message from Adam with his number five game. So take it away, Adam. Hello. Hello. Wait, let me adjust this. Boop. Boop, boop, beep, boop, 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 beep, boop. There, that's better. Hello. I'm joining you from outer space. I don't know how I got here, uh, but I'm here, trapped. But I've still managed to share my uh, top five games of 2018 with you guys. I guess if we were to rewind a bit, I would not have expected my list of 2018 games to be what they are. It's about as improbable that these five games will be my top five as the fact that I'm trapped in space right now. Um, so without further ado, I'm going to crack on and uh, explain my list to you. In at number five, Laser League. Uh, so Laser League came out on Xbox uh, Game Pass, that's how I played it. It also came out on PC and PS4, I believe. It is a top-down uh, sports game, kind of like the... Uh, Cycles and the lasers from Tron a little bit. You're playing a character teams of three typically running around trying to Activate lasers to kill the opposing team where it gets really good is there's different class systems Like there's a guy that can like knock people out There's a guy with a big sword that can just kill people without the need for a laser Really good like risk reward behind all the different mechanics and stuff each character is a different special It's super intense online. My only issue is on Xbox. I've really struggled to find a game but in terms of there's kind of a theme with my uh, list this year. Games I've had so much fun with, and Laser League was just brilliant. It knocked out plenty of other fantastic stellar games to come in at number five, and I love it. Like, definitely get on Laser League. If you're playing on Xbox, hit me up. Flame Boy Any, I would love to play Laser League with some list. Laser League. Uh, have any of you guys played Laser League at all? 
No, but it is one of those games I want to play. Now I've I've literally just picked up Game Pass for Christmas, mm-hmm. so that was one of the ones that's high on my list because there was so much buzz about it yep. when it came out, and then it just disappeared off the face of the planet, and I don't really know why. Uh, that's the exact problem I got. Is I'd, I'd heard great things about it. It looked amazing. By the time I got around to actually getting access to it, uh, the player base had gone. Like, it's just, I, I've tried a couple of times and I've just not been able to get a game online. Um, and I thought it would join the realm of those sort of, like, weird, like, sports sort of games. games. Yeah, it's weird twitchy sports games that have, like, a devout following that you can never struggle. Like, I can't, it doesn't matter what time of day or night uh, I log in, I, I can't not find a game of um, Windjammers, for example, uh, but Laser League seems to have just come and died and gone, and it's a bit of a shame, but it's a very neat little game. So moving on, in alphabetical order, Andy, what is your number five game that you played in 2018? Uh, well, um, it's Batman by Telltale Season 1. I talked about this from a couple of episodes ago. Um, it took an interesting take on Batman, um, changed um, the history a bit, Made his father slightly skewered. Um, did interesting things with villains. The story was interesting. Just, just a pity that we couldn't do more with the detective side. Um, I didn't think much of the choices, but as a story, as, a, as an interesting interpretation of Batman, I thought it was really good and really gripping. Uh, we'll probably play a season two next year, so I'll probably see this one back on my list. Yeah, I I played through the first um, episode or so, and there were just too many of those, tra- you know, traditional telltale visual bugs uh, and things like that. Like there was an episode, there's a, a a scene early on where Batman's uh, like Carmen Falcone's in Batman's house at some event, trying yeah. Bruce Wayne's house. Yeah. And he's playing pool, mm. and you see him hit the pool balls, and the pool balls are moving around the table, but they didn't bother animating in the fact, like the rolling animation, <laughs> so they're just gliding <laughs> along the table, and like it just, just lots of little things like that just took me out of the moment, which is a shame because whoever did the writing on it was was trying to tell like a really interesting story, and like you say, they 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 change, they they play with your perceptions of. Um, Thomas What's Wayne. His dad Thomas Wayne. Thomas, yeah, yeah, Thomas and Martha Wayne. Yeah. Um, in that they're not like in all the previous ones has always been like, you know, Thomas Wayne was just like the white knight. Nicey yeah. nice guy. Super, like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like he was just a you know, the, the the billionaire philanthropist who only wanted to do good things. Um and he's not in this one. He's a bit a bit more shades Ooh. of grey. Yeah. Um perhaps not the the, the the morally upstanding paragon that that he is in other Batman stories mm. and like it seemed really interesting but I just couldn't stick with that jank and the awkward stilted way that conversations happen in Telltale mm. games in comparison to other sort of games like that that have come out since then like uh, compared to um, oh shit what's the Squaresoft one uh, life is strange see. life is strange yeah um yeah compared to games like life is strange or even games like oxen free uh, and games like that that handle conversations so much more organically uh and considering that, that is one of the core elements of those telltale games it's just 
Yeah, I mean, but if uh, you, I just couldn't get through it. If you're a Batman fan, I think it's worth playing through. Um, it is. I will finish it. Yeah, it's one of those where I played a few Telltale games, and it's probably one of the better ones in terms of story and the graphics. The graphics engine sort of suits Batman better. In the market. Yeah, like it, it really suited. It really suits the that and like the Wolf Among Us, the sort of like more comic booky yeah. style stuff. Like it really suits that. And I really liked what I what I could see the direction the story was going in. So it's one that I will definitely go back to. It's just yeah, I, I just bounced off it at the time. Yeah, yeah it's I mean, it's worth playing. It's free on it was free on PS Plus this year. That's how yeah. I played it. Um, doing doing a really good thing with um, Penguin. As well, making a bit yeah. more history, like with Bruce Wayne as well. So there's a lot of things mm-hmm. going on, and I'm interested to see where it goes because it does follow on season two. So that's my yeah. number five, but no season three. No, and it was ever. I know that's it. Yeah, that's it. We'll never get that second season of The Wolf Among Us. So, uh, well, Karen in, in alphabetical order. Chazzy, what's your number five game that you played in 2018? Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. Oh man, yeah. So we've mentioned it earlier at the top of the show, um, but yeah, I, I adore this game um, much because I've got a little bit of a kind of there's there's two types of game that I have an absolute soft spot for that I'm appalling at, mm-hmm. uh, and they are strategy games and Japanese RPGs. <laughs> yep. And I always pick them up, and I always sort of fumble my way around them and, and don't do very well but enjoy enjoy the whole process and then sort of put them back on the shelf and jobs are good mm-hmm. um and like so I, I always get this like this little hankering for like playing a bit of XCOM enemy unknown or you know one of those types of games and then mario and rabbits came up and i thought that actually looks like one that i might be good at mm-hmm. like it, it's it's dumbed down it's simplified um it's for kids well i could i could do well at this. Yeah. This, this could be the game I need mm-hmm. to sort of get me, get, give me a good like sort of you know leg up and get into the genre, yeah. in a, in a big way, and uh, and it, it's done that absolutely for me. I um, I, I love would, it. Um, I would contest that it's simplified. I mean, there's there's one aspect of it which is simplified, and it's the one thing about yeah. XCOM style games that that really pisses me off about them. I love them, <clears> but it's, but. It's, and it's the shot percentage thing. When you've got That's one it. character who's standing directly in front of uh, in XCOM, you've got one character standing directly in front of like a sectoid, shotgun like pretty much in their mouth, and you've got like a ninety-seven percent chance of, of it's a dice them. roll. And you can guarantee, at least with my luck, that they'll hit that three percent chance and miss from point blank range with a shotgun. Whereas like in Marion Rabbits, it's like if they're behind full cover, you can't hit them. If they're behind half cover, you've got fifty percent chance of hitting them. If they're in the open, you'll hit them. That's it. Yeah. It's far more rock, yeah. paper, scissors. But then like everything else about are. it, like the different enemy types, um the the different types of movement that you've got, uh being able to bounce off other characters, That's doing it. sliding attacks and stuff like that, combining different elements, using some of the environmental stuff. Like it's actually so there's a level of depth there that I was not expecting. I thought it was going to be like baby's first XCOM. But this um, is the thing is, is that they're all in there as service to the player to help. There's nothing in there to kind of distract or, or um, over egg the pudding or, or try and, you know, um, hold you back in any way. Yeah. It's, it's all there to just make every interaction fun or push you forward 
and give you the every opportunity to win. And that's what I like about this game. It's not every other game like XCOM or anything like that I've played. It's always trying to get one over on you, like you say, or pull the 3% chance. There's none of that in Mario and Rabbids Kingdom Battle. And no. it's a, it, again, it's a Ubisoft game. And this is the thing you've got to remember. It's a Ubisoft game that has come out with the Nintendo level of polish. Mm-hmm. And they've, done, they've got to be so commended on the fact that they've done such a good job with this. And, and the way that it doesn't so many, feel like a Ubisoft game. Like I before I was, I was never really a fan of the Rabbids. I I would put them one, uh, you know, a, a, a few levels behind the Minions on a list of most annoying things in the world. Uh, yeah. bef- before this game, but this game kind of made me like them. Like it they've injected like, a level of personality into yeah, it. Yeah, and like some, and, especially some of the central characters, like like Rabid Peach is absolutely hilarious as a oh, character. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Like, yeah. I would take her into battle even when there were probably better tactical choices just because she's so funny. Uh, and what some of the, the like, um, the boss battle against a Rabid Donkey Kong. That's it. That's great. Um, and I don't know how far you've gotten into it, but there's there's a, a, an, uh, a boss fight later on that involves a fully vocalized opera no i've not got that far oh yet. oh my god and there are some of the the, the some of the i hate using this phrase but some of the sickest burns um <laughs> against mario that you'll ever see in a game it's absolutely brilliant yeah um but it's just lovely touches like that that you just go this this game is special yeah and deserves to be on my like game of the year list because it, it, there's never any point in this game that i wasn't smiling Yep. You know, I was not like playing a tactical game where I'm pulling my hair out and I've just been, you know, I don't know, I've made a wrong move and I feel like an idiot or it's, you know, effed me over or anything like that. Mm-hmm. It's never been any part of that. Every way, or even when I've died, I've, you've died in a funny way or a silly way. Or, yeah. Uh, it's just it's just an incredibly well-made, mm-hmm. well-put-together, well-produced. There's nothing about it that is bad. No. And that's so that's so rare to see from something that you on the face of it you actually think this shouldn't work. You know, it's it's someone else picking up a franchise from Nintendo. It shouldn't work, and it just does. It's beautiful. I love it. Yeah, and there's 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 a, there's a level of like faithfulness and reverence mm. to the the Mario yeah. <laughs> the Mario lore uh, and pantheon. <laughs> um, that like you can see why uh, Nintendo were were happy for for I can't, I can't remember which Ubisoft studio it was that made it. Um, yeah. To, 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 and you could see like when they first showed it off at, um, at uh, E3 a couple of years ago, and um, Miyamoto was there giving it the thumbs up and showing how much he enjoyed it and whatnot. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a great little game. It's an incredible game, and to have that on the go as well, like playing that on the train and stuff, has been. An absolute godsend for me, yeah. you know. Oh, brilliant game. Absolutely brilliant game. Loved every minute of it. Uh, right, uh, we'll continue in alphabetical order and I'll do my number five. Um, I love a driving game. Um, on the whole, that's kind of relegated. If you want a driving game, on the whole, you're relegated to sort of racing games. But uh, like Jazzy, you know, we've talked about how we kind of love some of those driving games on the fringes. Like... Yeah. Uh, like... Um, like grip or Abs- absolute drift yeah absolute uh, drift like yeah. g- games that, like driving games and uh, uh, on rush driving games that do things a little bit differently um, yeah, drive 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 That's yeah another mad one um so my number five is a game called 
spin tires colon mud runner or mud runner colon a spin tires game depending on where you read it um and this is probably the most self-indulgent title i've ever put on a on a game of the year list <laughs> because i don't think i know of anybody else who would like this game it just clicks with me so in mud runner you have a uh, one like you work your way through a series of maps um which are just seemingly made of nothing but muddy countryside incredibly muddy countryside and little patches of asphalt and raging rivers and you have to drive around in rickety old soviet era military off-road vehicles collecting logs and delivering them to lumber yards that's it you're that guy aren't you you're that guy in the tabard in a muddy field in october trying to get a land rover winched out of a hole that you've put there purposely <laughs> no I'm, I'm not i've never been off-roading <laughs> i've never been off-roading in real life like um i got into the i got off, off uh, the reason i picked this up I, I saw someone doing a let's play of it um back in its original form when it was just called spin tires back in like 2014 it was a pc only game made by one russian dude who just had a passion for off-roading and old soviet vehicles uh and it's spun off into this slightly bigger thing uh and andy you know when we're playing um human fall flat yep and there's the bit where you drive the um the dump truck around yeah yeah i really enjoyed that bit and i was like um i wonder if there's any game where (laughs) you can drive like big dump trucks around (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and my trainer was like, oh, yeah, there's a spin tires thing. So I'll have a look. Um, it happened to be on sale at the time, so I picked it up and ended up playing through the whole thing. Now, I've always been a sucker for this sort of games where it's like transport something from point A to point B that involves lots of systems. Now, I've never tried like Euro Truck Simulator or... Oh, God, you or disappear anything. into that, mate. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to fall into that rabbit hole, uh, to be honest. But like, I have played the shit out of like rebel galaxy and um elite dangerous and games like that and most of my time in no man's sky has been spent just being a space trucker uh and so it's basically that it's like balancing these systems or like trying to get these huge vehicles pulling you know several tons worth of lumber through uh acres and acres of mud uh managing like your four-wheel drive system and locking and unlocking the differentials and using your low ratio gearbox and attaching yourself to trees to winch yourself out when you're stuck or having to get another vehicle to pull the other vehicle out of the mud and whatnot and it's 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 really it sounds really boring if you try and describe it and if you watch footage of it it looks really boring but I just can't stop myself from playing it. It's just so <laughs> relaxing and so much. It's that weirdly satisfying feeling you get from oh, a Euro Truck sim- <laughs> farming simulator. It is. It's so satisfying. Like when you finally manage to get that last shipment of lumber through like several, you know, like 20 odd miles of just the most horrible boggy mud in this like ancient Soviet truck. <laughs> um, <laughs> It's it's really dumb and really really enjoyable and it's just like I'll just p- 
put on a podcast or an episode of something and just sit and play that. And I've played through all the way through on PS4 and ticked off almost all of the challenges. And then I saw it came to Game Pass on Xbox, so I downloaded it again and I played through it all over again. <laughs> and like, I don't know of any other games that are quite like this. Uh, I'm hoping that someone out there who's listening does so they can tell me <laughs> so I can find some more because I really, really like this game. You're going to move on to Train Simulator oh, next, No, no. Like, it's the thing, like, <laughs> a truck, Euro Truck Simulator and the American Truck Simulator, it's, yeah. it's you're just driving on a road. But it's like, this is like, you're you're in a world, like a post-apocalyptic future where everything is mud. There's and, danger and, everywhere. And, yeah, it's just mud <laughs> and like raging rivers and like you can just get like you can end up flooding your engine and getting stuck in a river and then have to go and find another vehicle to tow your, your first <laughs> one out and then fix it and whatnot. You need a bit of mild peril. Yeah, yeah, basically. Like there are there are there are no other people in Mud Runner. It's just that, mud. Just mud. Um, is that your enemy? Just mud. Your enemy is mud and you conquer it. I tell you what, that's not, that's that's a new enemy. Yeah, not since not since Clay Fighters. Uh, there's multiplayer there, there's in it as well. I, I would love to to play it with someone, but I don't know anyone else who'd be interested in playing this game. So it's it's a very solitary thing for me. But yeah, I I it's it's one of those games like like uh, Elite Dangerous. It's just like very very systems heavy take something from point A to point B sort of game. And I don't know why. I've never been a courier. Uh, I don't think I'd ever want to be a courier, um, but being a space yeah. trucker or a mud trucker is kind of cool. something re- weirdly Freudian about. Uh, yeah, I know. You could be a oh, trucker. Why do you think be a trucker in real life? That's it. Because you're not in space and you're not <laughs> driving through loads of mud. Like, so, yeah. Maybe if they made like an ice road truckers game or something like that. Oh, yeah, right. they've got yeah. to them. I swear they've made one of those. Oh, I'll have to have a look. I at bet it's, that. I bet that is, that's an LGR play in the future. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's Mud Runner. I I love it. Like if if anything about that sounds intriguing to you, then then check it out. It's on Game Pass, so you can download and try it for free if you've got Game Pass. And like maybe you'll discover yeah. that you you weirdly like it like I do. Um, anyway, enough of that. Uh, Nick, what is your number five game that you played this year? So my number five is probably one of the most unlikely games to be in the top five for Laps Gamer. It is Fortnite, specifically Fortnite on Switch. Um, oh, so so only the Battle Royale? Just the Battle Royale version right. and pretty much just on Switch. I, I played around with it on PS4 when it was first out, the Battle Royale one, and I didn't really click with it. Mm-hmm. But then I got my Switch and it came to Switch and I found myself, because you could just pick it up, have a game, you'd die and then put it back down, pick it up. It was just, there was something very, as with a lot of Switch games, there's just something very right about being able to pick it up, just play it for five minutes and then put it down while you're watching TV or something. Yeah, it's the right level of investment, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, the thing that I fell out with online fps's quite a while ago when for me i need to be able to progress in something so if i'm not earning trophies or i'm not burning through a story i find myself getting very bored but what fortnite's done is really interesting no matter what you do in a game you're always earning something on the roadmap to being the next level getting the next piece of gear sort of thing and there's just something very compulsive about it i don't know exactly what it is 
but every single match, even if you only get two shots on someone, you've still done something to earn another thing for your checklist to tick off. Yeah, being an old man, it sounds like the old Call of Duty 4 kind of... um you know, system of oh well, I'm um, two more shot, no, two more kills towards my you know MP5 or yeah. whatever. Exactly, yeah. They've just they've just really honed in on that aspect just of it. And, everything, yeah, yeah. Especially if you get if you got the battle passes and the the other thing is they because they've got the seasons, the map and the world and the systems in the game are ever changing. Like I remember when I got really into it, I was reading every day on Eurogamer. I would go and visit every day to see what the latest development in the map was because crazy mm-hmm. things were happening with gravity and there was portals unlocking all over the place and uh, there was a big meteor that cracked the dome that they were in and that sent a load of energy and sparks and things around. And it it's just... Epic were really... It was a really interesting time because you've never seen an online shooter that's evolved like Fortnite has evolved and they just really weren't scared of experimenting and seeing what happened even in i remember one of the uh one of the tournaments they had in the final they actually rolled out a brand new set of mechanics and they just let like the top 100 fortnite players in the world figure them out and see what happened and that was that that was a proper paid final sort of thing it just really bold and brave and i had such a blast on it in the summer there was a bit where, like i said i got really obsessed with it and it's pretty much the only game i played for two months <laughs> uh i got into fortnite um before the battle royale thing came out when it was just the fortnite save the world thing mm. um so played uh I I played a little bit of it um, when it was in um, pre-release and really really enjoyed that mode. Uh, and I don't know if I haven't gone back to it in a while. I don't know if they even develop anything for that at the moment. Whether they just concentrate on um, on uh, the battle royale stuff. Uh, I think that game is really neat. It's become a cultural phenomenon. Um, I just, absolute gaming juggernaut um they absolutely ate PUBG's lunch mm, despite yep. the fact that it's the shooting in it isn't great um well you see i'm i functional. mainly played on switch as well and mm. where the shooting is even worse yeah. And so <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and like i just i i've uh, i i got to the point when i was playing like the save the world mode where i was pretty good at building defenses like quite quickly but the the how quickly like the, the like kids who play fortnite can build towers and these massive monstrosities uh defensive structures that when you get towards the final few kills in the game i just i can't keep up with it um i've also got a bone to pick with epic because uh they i used to really enjoy playing a game that was in pre uh, pre-release with them called uh well, in early access called paragon which is the oh. only moba that's ever stuck with me uh and i used to enjoy that as well it was really really good and when when Battle Royale ex- uh, exploded, Epic killed Paragon because yep. uh, you know it's easy just to put resources into the money making machine. So, and I can't blame Fortnite, but I blame Epic um, for killing that game. But yeah, if, if Fortnite is just it's well, it, it's it's a sort of like massive phenomenon that you you, you don't see very often. Um, probably haven't seen anything like it since 
Pokemon Go first came out. Yeah, I mean, what one of one of the biggest compliments I've I've heard was the other week I, I heard someone said that Fortnite's no longer a game; it's now a place. It's a place where people just, especially kids, just go and hang out yep. for hours and they'll talk. And it's mm-hmm. kind of like when when I was uh, a teenager, I used to get home from school and I'd go straight and Habbo Hotel. And I'd go oh, and wow. hang out in the chat rooms <laughs> and talk to people. And now it's Fortnite. People go and spend time in Fortnite and they just talk about the day in Fortnite and that's it. It's it's oh, yeah. now a place. It's not just a game. Yeah, kids can't mm-hmm. shut up about it. You know, when you're in school, you're like, oh, no. So you're playing Fortnite? No, I'm playing something else. You're not playing Fortnite. <laughs> Why are you playing Fortnite? Everyone's playing Fortnite. Fortnite, Fortnite. Oh, God, God's sake. And for that same reason, yeah. it kind of gets a bad reputation against like uh, quote unquote real gamers as being like, oh, it's not a, it's not a proper game. It's you know, it's a, it's a bit silly, a bit childish because maybe because it's pl- it's played mainly by kids and it's got you know bright, colourful graphics and everything like that. But it's it is a really good game, it's and they keep game. adding in mm. stuff that they don't need to add in, like. Uh, well, stuff they don't need to add in in terms of like what their business model is. They could just keep on like making the odd little change and just adding more stuff to the battle pass and more cosmetics. But now they've added in this whole like creation thing where you can create custom maps. Yes, and stuff yeah. like that, and that's that's really cool. And like you don't get that sort of thing in any other battle royale game. It, it freaks me out that this is going to be a lot of future designers. Um, you know, Mario sixty four. The game that they take a lot of um, cues from and then build upon, and that's going to be. Oh, there are insane. worse foundations to build upon. That's what I'm saying. It's just going to be insane to see like what comes out of that in ten, fifteen years' time. I yeah. suppose it's sort of the natural progression of Minecraft. I mean, Minecraft is yeah. what eleven years old now, and we're starting to see people that were first inspired by Minecraft come through and make games. And I think Fortnite is kind of the natural progression of that. It's essentially Fortnite with prefabs and guns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, sorry, Minecraft with prefabs and guns. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, between Fortnite and uh, Roblox. Yeah, there's going to be some, uh, yeah. There's going to be a lot of people getting a lot of um, ideas for the future. Yeah. Number four is a game I put on a whim, kind of. Um, Starlink Battle for Atlas. As soon as I found out that you didn't have to have the toys and you could just buy a digital version, I bought the digital version around launch. Uh, I bought on Switch, so that has the added advantage of singly being the best Star Fox game we've had for years now. Um, but aside from that, it's a really solid game. It's almost like a No Man's Sky light. You're building resources when you're down on the planets. Typically, planets will cut off your engines so you can't fly around. And it kind of becomes almost like a strafe-based like tank shooter, almost. Um, but really fun. The Star Fox stuff has its own missions. The story is quite earnest. There's a bunch of characters that you initially don't care about, but they're slowly fleshed out as time goes on. It's kind of modern. Like There's a YouTuber guy who's just on the crew for... Uh, shits and giggles you kind of do a lot of uh, you can do like resource management and stuff you can the same thing with No Man's Sky where you can land on a planet and then fly straight up into the atmosphere all in one seamless bit goes uh, I haven't finished it yet but I've spent a lot of time with it and I'm definitely enjoying it would highly recommend it for anybody who's a Star Force fan or space shooters in general we don't see that many space shooters in this day and age um, and it's a really good game so yeah definitely give it a go 
you're into that kind of thing. Yeah, Starlink, Battle for Atlas. Um, uh, me and Jazzy, we've both played this game. Or have you played uh, I haven't it played You it. haven't played it yet? No. Well, no, you have that, played this it. Is my, uh, I've played it for a brief session at, um, at EGX. Yeah. But um, yeah, I picked it up for ridiculously cheap. Um, and I, th- this is my Christmas game. Mm-hmm. This is my game that I'm going to play over the Christmas period. So I've gone all in. I've got the AR wing. I've got a load of weapon packs. And I cannot wait to play it because yeah. there was a lot of promise in it. And I'm dying to hear kind of what what you guys think of it but um because yeah i'm 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 itching to play it. it's one of those games where i knew i was going to be talking about it today so i thought right and i'm going to hold off and then when i'm off uh, for christmas i'm gonna i'm gonna really dive into it well i've played a lot of it uh but i i barely scratched the story because i've just been concentrating on side objectives and exploration and building up the the resistance levels on the uh on the different planets and so I didn't feel it would be fair to include it in my lists. Um, if it continues in uh, the same level of quality as what I've played so far, uh, then it it would definitely deserve to have been in my list. But I just haven't played enough of it to it, the actual main story um, to put it in there. But it's again, it's another like odd little Ubisoft game um, that turned out to be way more than what you thought it would be uh and takes uh, it takes a lot of ideas from different genres and it takes like the best ideas from from different genres and improves upon games in some respects like uh no man's sky um and games like that by making it more streamlined and i mean there's there's like plenty of scope for exploration but it's all curated rather than being a giant procedurally generated galaxy of nothing like there's actually <laughs> lots of things to do very cool little game uh, andy what is your number four resident uh, evil seven by you mean biohazard oh well uh, uh yeah, Biohazard is the first one, as it was called in Japan, wasn't it? I, th- I thought they, no, the whole series is called Biohazard in Japan. Yeah. I think, and this was so it was called Bi- it was called Resident Evil Biohazard, uh, Resident Evil Seven Biohazard in the West, and yeah. then in Japan it was called Biohazard Resident yeah. Evil. They're trying to now sort of combine so, the two, yeah, two names like reclaim it a bit, just confuse everyone. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, Resident Evil Seven. Okay, so. This is Resident Evil. Um, the first part of it, when you are in the house, houses, the um, Southern's house, and you're exploring it and you're getting chased, like Resident Evil 3, is pretty damn good. It's, it's probably one of the highlights of the series so far. Um, however, it would have been higher had it not sort of like gone into, oh, there's a secret lab underground into this house um, I mean why in this mine connected to the house and mm. it sort of went a bit silly in that sort of region and with all the t- e-virus as it is now and then there's a ship the atmosphere is unbelievable the sound quality I mean I can't imagine how 
playing this in VR, I mean, it would be unbelievably scary. And now my brother bailed out after half an hour of it, because it's um, a first person viewpoint, um, it's not third person, so I think this is probably the first, per first person Resident Evil game apart from that squad game. Um, we don't talk about that game. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> apart from Umbrella that, Corpse. Yeah, yeah Umbrella Corpse, <sighs> that's it. It was a bad game. And that point of view really does um, change the gameplay. Um, there's little videos you can pick up. You can find little backstories and stuff. Just the atmosphere itself, though, that first, first opening house and second house, the old house, it, it's just really, really grabbed you. Um, mm. it, it goes back to the first room where you're exploring. You've got the puzzles to solve. Um, you've got a limited amount of ammo, you've got a limited amount of um, space to put things and you're all trying to work out your inventory. So they really went back and took what worked in Resident Evil and had new elements to it. Made it less action-y. I mean, I did the DLC with Chris Redcliffe, but it made it more action-y, you know, with a weapon, but that's a side issue. But yeah, Resident Evil 7 was my number four game. It's supposed to be really good. Uh, it was on Adam's Game of the Year list last year. It's very highly rated. I will never play it. Uh, <laughs> <'cause> <laughs> I'm, like, I struggle enough with first person... Uh, well, I struggle enough with survival horror games anyway. Uh, but first person ones, I just, I just can't deal with it. I just get so anxious. Uh, I just get so uncomfortable. I have to put it down. I tried Amnesia, Outlast, Alien Isolation um soma like i i was so happy when i heard there was a patch for soma where you could turn off the enemies <laughs> <just> because, <laughs> uh, i just can't deal with it um so as good as this is probably this almost certainly is i will not be playing it yeah it's probably one of the best resident evil games yeah yeah, yeah it's a by all accounts it's a return to form yeah best one since four as yeah. some of the same problems of four with the story kind of jumping yeah. shark later on. Um, it does. Yeah. But that's what you get with Resident Evil. You just yeah. wish more of a stick with the supernatural elements rather than bringing the scientific elements, I think. You know, like a bit of Assassin's Creed, just get rid of Desmond and the future bits and just stick with the historical bits. Just stick with the monsters, the better. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, yeah I mean, I I picked it up the I picked it up the other week, and uh, I've I, I've only played a couple of hours, but so far, obviously, I'm still in what you class as the good bit. Yeah, um, and I'm, I'm I'm quite enjoying it. It's it's really it's taken that PT element where you're sort of in the house, you're in corridors, and it's it's just quite intriguing at the moment. So, uh, but nevertheless, I'm sure the inevitable scientificy stuff will come in, and I'll get a bit disappointed. But uh, I'm looking forward yeah. to seeing where it goes. Yeah, I've had a quick go of um, a demo of the new Resident Evil Two remake that's coming out. Oh, and that is very, very good. Is it and, first um, person? A uh, third person. Oh, thank God for that. <laughs> yeah, okay. but it's um, it, it's it's a it's up there at the moment. If it, if it's half as good as that demo, then people are going to be very, very, very happy with that game. So yeah, it's yeah. good things to come. I think it's next month, good. isn't it? It's next month. Okay. Yeah, it comes out January, know. middle of January. Yeah. Chazzy, yes. What's your number four? My number four is a game that you, sir, turned me on to. Uh, Monster yes. Hunter World. Mm. 
Sorry about that. Very. (laughs) (laughs) It's like giving, you know, a crack addict heroin. Mm. You know, it's just like, okay, you're already on something really addictive. Have something even more addictive. Mm. Um, So this game tickles all the Destiny, you know, uh, parts that I adore and then sort of just cranks it up a little bit. Yeah. Um, I've never been one for... I've tried so many Monster Hunter games and traded them in, even like from way back in the PS2 days and beyond. And it's never, ever, ever clicked with me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought... And then Monster Hunter World came out and everyone was... You know, there was a lot of hoo-ha about it online and, oh, this is the best one and the most accessible one and yada, yada, yada. And I thought, yeah, that can't, that can't, be, that can't be right. And then Mark was... You know, you're doing his usual silver tongue bit and telling me, no, no, it's great, it's great, you've got to get it. <laughs> so I picked it up, and it's awesome. It's absolutely awesome. Um, what it does, it does away with the whole zoning aspect. Like what used to really frustrate me was that you would, in in previous iterations, is that you would, you know, sort of walk up to, you'd have very zoned off areas, mm-hmm. and it was all very kind of like, go to one, and then five, and then seven, well, and then six. That's still there. Uh, but there's but there's no loading screens between them. It's, that's it's it. all one world. It's all one world, and it doesn't feel like I'm playing, you know, on a PS2 game, but on my PlayStation 4. You know, it, yeah. it does feel like it's one this big streaming world that's just a big open world that you're hunting. You feel, for, I feel for the first time that I'm actually roaming across a world trying to track monsters the thing i love about it and this is what i was saying to you when we were playing it mark was about the whole um tracking of monsters mm-hmm. i wish they'd put something like that into destiny where y- you're in an area and you know there's a monster about and you're picking up bits of you know li- uh, broken leaves and or whatever you know things on the floor that will lead a trail and once you find a trail you have to track the trail yeah. and then that will bring you to the monster it's not just they're not just in a zone they're constantly roaming about the areas and Ooh. stuff so you do feel like you're actually hunting rather than just going okay right well we know that this monster is in zone b you know whatever mm-hmm. and i love that I, I i absolutely loved it and kind of that whole the whole destiny thing of getting gear and better gear and this gear is better for fighting these types of monsters and this type of gear is better for fighting that type of monsters and that whole kind of spreadsheet thing that i love in my head um yeah that that bit is just ah just again tickles all those destiny things of i've got to have the best exotic gear but then you, you know you're creating loadouts and and then the monsters you're fighting are ginormous or and and they're terrifying Mm -hmm. And then to put all that in with the fact that, okay, you've still got this animation-based combat system, but that adds to, rather than taking away from, like like, so like in something like Resident Evil, where it's that, that everything's stilted and jerky and it makes everything terrifying because you can't do what you want to do. It's the same sort of thing in this. If you make one wrong move, it could, your life bar could just get absolutely, you know, demolished in in one hit so you've got to be so on point with every move you make you know you you can be like that in dark souls but you've always got the role you can always get out of the way 
you can't as much in Monster Hunter, which means that you've got to be so much more focused on what you're doing. And I love that. About well, the, the, combat the thing system. is, like uh, the, the the role in like Dark Souls and Bloodborne and stuff like that will get you out of trouble most we'll of the time out. when you're fighting regular sized enemies, um, which is what you're doing most of the time in a Dark Souls game. But in Monster Hunter, you're you're hunting monsters, and they're always giant, and they're always yeah. difficult to get out of the way of. And then you've got to learn just like you would with the Dark Souls boss. And I, I guarantee you there's a lot of, there must have been a huge amount of um, studying of old Monster Hunter games when they first came to make the Dark Souls series. Like, because it is it is so much of like studying a the monster's movements, learning when you've got an opening to make an attack, when, when to dodge, when to defend, um, when to put your yeah. attack in. Um, and that stuff, uh, that and combined with like the, each weapon having its own specific move set, uh, and handling. Yeah, you the really have to class way. up. Yeah, learn your class. Like you know, try all the classes. Learn the class that works for you. Yeah, learn the weapon in that class that you know works for you. And yeah. then, like you say, then you go to school on it, and you have to. You, you then have to really hone down on. When to, like you say, when to do stuff, when not to do stuff, mm-hmm. what works best with different types of monsters. And it's it, like the whole thing is just like this. You have to study it. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about it, that you have to invest. And it does not give any inch whatsoever. No. I think it's brilliant yeah. in that. Uh, I don't want to say too much about it because it may or may not be on my own list at some point. <laughs> later on um so i'm sure i'll talk about it then <laughs> let's leave that there yeah um but yeah it's it's uh that game is a masterpiece uh any any of you guys um nick and have you played it at all not yet i haven't now you no. got any experience with monster hunter at all nope okay i do uh, well I've, i did get it because i got it from a brother mm-hmm. and i got a copy for myself so it's for christmas i might crack it open oh so yeah, well, let me teach you. <laughs> oh, look the thing is, is <laughs> let, let me be the counterpoint to Mark's gushing later, though that, that it's not for the faint-hearted. No, and if it wasn't for Mark sitting with me, taking me through mm. a lot of stuff, I I would have found this. I would have ditched this game in a heartbeat. Mm. But it it, it demands. Once I'd learnt all this kind of stuff and I'd learnt the basics, then you could, then I could actually properly study it. And yeah. there's lots of stuff like that. There's, there's nothing in this game that is easy. It's going to take your hand and help your hand holder in any way. And that is why it's not higher on my list because yeah. I just found the bat that there was still a barrier to entry. Despite it even being the most open, either have to invest in. What's that? Despite it even being the most open one, because it's meant to be the most accessible, isn't it? That's it. It's supposed to be the most accessible, but there's still this barrier of there's a skill barrier mm. that you really have to you have to meet, and it does not in any way um, sort of uh, give way in any way, shape, or form. You either meet this standard or you don't, and um, that's why it's not higher on my list. Yeah. But I'm sure Mark will tell you why it should be higher on my list later. Maybe, maybe, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it, yeah. We'll we'll talk about it later on. Yeah. Um. Right. My number. I'm going to skip my number four. Um. Because my number four is the same as Nick's number three. So just wait until we get onto the number three, and so then might as well double up, Nick. Yeah. 
Yep, sounds good. Yeah, sounds good. Um, so yeah, we'll move it to yours, Nick. What's your number four? So this is going to be quite quick because I only talked about it last week, but it is Detroit <laughs> to Become Human. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, like I said last week, I, I really did enjoy this game on reflection. I mean, there were a few other games I could have put boosted up to five or four, but I think overall this game, it it's a technical masterpiece. It's It really is. The graphics are incredible. The story could have done with a little bit more thought and a bit more being a bit more convincing, but overall, I think for as a as a game and what we what we're judging on here, I really enjoyed it and I think it's quite accessible as well. It's it's sort of an evolution of the Telltale games. In the in obviously you know it's a triple A game. I, I don't like the term triple A. It's it's had a lot more money behind it, so the graphics are a lot better, and it's had more marketing budget. It's got proper mocap and stuff. But the the way that they've taken the formula and they've iterated on it and evolved from previous games, I just think it's a great game. And for the price it's at at the moment, definitely everyone should at least be thinking about checking it out. No, I absolutely do want to play it. Like like I said, so when we talked about it in the other episode, it's hand, I'm both really really intrigued and also really cautious because it's handling a topic that is. Uh, in the realms of sci-fi, something that I'm most interested in, we said, like talking about the existentialism of of artificial life and mm. what it is to be human, and whether artificial life can be considered sentient and rights for robots and whatnot. Um, and so, it's something that's very uh, that I'm very interested in, but also at the same time, it's David Cage telling that story, <laughs> so I'm very trepidatious. It's a guy um, with a bad track record yeah. doing something yeah. that you love. Yeah, exactly. It was like David Cage doing Blade Runner, and I'm not sure how I feel about that, but I need I need to play it because um, mm. I need to see what he's what he's done with it. I've heard very very polarized views on it. Some people love Let's it, say. some people hate it. <laughs> Um, Sounds like a game yeah. that you can overthink. Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I'm really, really intrigued to uh, to play it. And uh, when it reaches a price point where it's where I just can't resist, then yeah, I mean, it'll probably be on sale <laughs> sometime in January. You know? yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was so, part of the Black Friday yeah, sales. Sure. I think they picked it up for thirteen quid. So. Yeah, th- there's one other PlayStation exclusive that I'm hoping drops in price first before that. Like I am just waiting for the Tetris effect to reach the right point. Yeah, uh, but number two in my list of PlayStation exclusives to pick up is is Detroit, so I will get on that. Nice. Uh, right, so uh, moving into the final round of this episode, on to our number threes. Uh, take it away again, Adam. My number three is Smash Brothers Ultimate. It came out relatively late in the year, so I have been trying to desperately play as much as I can, and I've played less than some of the other games on my list. But the sheer fun I've had with it is above, is gets it up there. Basically, it's jumped up over a whole bunch of games. Um, and fair play to it. Good job, Nintendo. They did a really good job. The uh, World of Light mode is super clever. It's uh, every character's been, I guess, wiped out and cloned. And you start as Kirby and you slowly unlock characters. A fair, a decent cadence to the unlocking. 
Um, it's drawing, walking on a nice hand-drawn map, but where it really excels in the spirits. So the spirits are kind of like um, most like boosts and things and uh, modifiers to games. So you'll often fight against characters that are possessed by other uh, spirit characters. So recently I fought a fight with Star Fox where he was possessed by a revolver ocelot from Metal Gear. So he was shooting his gun even quicker than he could and we were playing on the Metal Gear level. It's super cool um, and definitely has a bunch of variants, makes those single player games a little bit better. One bad point is the unlock rate. It's a weird mess of how you unlock all the characters. If you unlock them in World of Light, you unlock them in every mode, but you don't unlock them in World of Light. Um, it doesn't like work the other way around, so for multiplayer you only start off with the original characters. I thankfully sat down with my friend for a few hours and managed to bust through a lot of them. Um, it's a weird thing to have, it means that for tournaments and stuff, which I know you have to ignore the fact that it's not a game just for tournaments, but it means you've always got to have plenty of Switch consoles on hand or carts where everything's unlocked. And they can't just have a clean game to start with. A bit disappointing. So Smash Brothers Ultimate. Mm. Uh, I'm sorely tempted to get this game, um, but it's uh, there's been a lot of these games on Switch um, where it's sort of like a uh, the ultimate version of a game that was released on the Wii U, and I can't I totally understand why because nobody bought a Wii U apart from me and five other people. Um, <laughs> so. <laughs> I've got. I got given mine. I can't. I can't speak. <laughs> uh, I've got Smash on my Wii U, so I've got it here. I've got it. It's it's installed digitally, so I don't even need to go and dig out a disc. I can just pick up the controller and play it whenever I want. But it's not the ultimate version, and it doesn't have Joker from Persona Five, and you know all these other characters and stuff they've added in, and all the changes. Like of, of all the the games that they've ported over, like I've bought Mario Kart Eight Deluxe. I've bought uh, Donkey Kong Tropical Freeze. Um, and a couple of others that are just straight ports of games that were out on the Wii U. This is the one that they seem to have done the most work on uh, and added the most to, uh, and it's the only one I haven't bought. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I probably will get it at some point. Though. I, does I that love... say more about the other two games than it does? Oh no, no, Smash. Ma- I mean, I, I love Tropical Freeze, and you know, Mario Kart Eight is Mario, Mario Kart Eight Deluxe is the best version of the best Mario Kart game. So yeah, you know. Um, but Smash Brothers is as someone who loves the idea of fighting games and tries, I try really hard to get good at fighting games, but have never been able to. I mean, I've got no. sitting over in the corner of my room, I can see at the moment my my Mad Cats Street Fighter V Tournament Edition 2 fight stick Um with Sanwa buttons and everything, like I've, I've I've got all the kit. I'm just not all the gear. I've got all the gear. I'm just not very good at it. Oh, <laughs> so, <okay>. but Smash <laughs> Brothers, Smash Brothers, I, I can kind of get my head around. Like Smash Brothers, like, there's there's a lot of depth to it, but you can you can get by just button mashing, same as you can yeah. in like Tekken, I guess. But was it down B up B? That's about it. Yeah, That's yeah. Really yeah. Like it's it's a very accessible fighting game. Um. It puts it in a bit of an awkward position because, like, Nintendo are trying to do this balancing act of, like, making it as accessible and as widely appealing as possible, but also trying to appeal to, um, you know, people who play Smash professionally at tournaments and stuff like that. So, Can I make a confession that I don't understand Smash Brothers? I don't understand why people go mad for it. It's it's lots of Nintendo characters beating the snot out of each other. But it just 
it just doesn't handle very well. Oh, I don't know. Mate. I just don't. I just don't think that. I don't think the 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 actual idea of the battle is any good. Mm. It's all over the place. It's too. It's just too much going on on the oh, screen. Oh, see, I love that. I love like the eight player battles. Oh, just um, it's I just mentioned. everything about it. Just I. It. I just don't enjoy no at all That's and i never enough. have yeah it's it's not going to be for everyone but like oh no 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 I've yeah i completely understand why people like it but for me i just I, people like people are going absolutely bananas for it oh my god smash and this guy from personas in it and this that, and i'm just like don't get it yeah that's fair don't enough. get it that's fair enough i i really like it and i will probably get mm. smash brothers oh yeah love anyone who does because you know it's but, um, all power to you yeah yeah, uh, yeah smash brothers Seems like it's a damn good game. Um, Andy, what is your number three? My number three is Dungeons and Dragons Shadow of uh, Mistara. Um, this is part of the set on the PS3, um, Chronicles of, of Mistara. Um, this was is a side-scrolling beat-em-up um, in vein of Golden Axe and Streets of Rage. It originally came out on the arcades. Um, it was released on the Saturn, I believe. Um, yeah, as a dual pack with the first one, Tower of Doom, and then released on the PS3 and upgraded. Um, you can go online, etc. Um, essentially, this is like Golden Axe. Go across the Dungeons and Dragons world, beat up um, loads of enemies. But the little tweaks they've given, because it's Dungeons and Dragons, they've added role playing elements to it. So you will level up at the end of each level and you can apply your experience points to different stats. So you improve in different ways and you can buy new weapons and gain little potions and all that. So it's just a little... F- I do love the side scroll and beat them up. I'm a big fan of it. But uh, I do love Golden Axe. But this one just added a few little bits more, made it more intriguing. If you're leveling up, it's, there's little different routes you could take as well. So you could you've got quite a lot of replayability. And when you play it with somebody else and co-op, whether it be online or um, couch co-op, it adds a lot to it. And I just really enjoy this game. I've got to say, I've, I've never even heard of it. No, it's... <laughs> but I, this is what I, I like about it. The blank faces all round. No, but this is this is what I like about, it, about this, this little group, um, uh, this little LGR community, is that we play such weird and diverse games. Like, and, and you've played God knows how many games o- over the, the years that we've been doing LGR. Yeah. You've brought to the podcast, and I thought, what the hell is this? I've never heard of it. <laughs> um, and I've ended up checking more than a few of them out, to be honest. So... Um, this sounds intriguing. I've, I don't. I've, I'm not a huge fan of like Golden Axe sort of games, and I know next to nothing about Dungeons and Dragons. But like you, you seem to find these games are like a weird mix of things, like <laughs> Hand of Fate game you loved. Yes, it's yes. Like it's a card game and also a brawler. Yeah, God of War type <laughs> brawler. Yeah, yeah. I was did a sequel Sorry. to that. I don't need to have actually. Yeah, there is. Yeah. Coming to Switch, is it? So, oh, so Nick will probably buy it. Worth a pickup. <laughs> <laughs> Jazzy, that'd be me. Number three. Number three is a game that I've only picked up recently, but has absolutely got its hooked into me in a big way. Is uh, Marvel's Spider-Man. Mm. Um, one thing I would. Obviously, it's a big old superhero adventure and everything that goes along with it. 
Um, but it's had one of those situations where it's very, it is very formulaic. It's very kind of uncharted, done that kind of uncharted route of, uh, and Assassin's Creed route of like sort of set piece story moment, open world bit that you can just roam around in for a bit. Then back to the set piece story mission, you know, open world bit. Oh, go, go off and have a, go and have a wander and just float around the city for a bit. And for as much as that's formulaic and uh, quite dull, also everything else that goes with it, with the combat, the web swinging, the personality of the characters, the story's phenomenal. I'm really enjoying that. And it, it, it's one of those, the parts that come together to make the whole, if that makes sense. And the whole package is so well produced and so beautifully done i can sort of forgive um that kind of video gaminess of it uh, a little bit um but yeah the cutscenes are absolutely to die for um absolutely adore peter parker like you say now one i was saying to you before in in a couple of episodes ago that like you know i was smashing spider-man off of every building left <laughs> right and center and now i've now i've come to grips with the controls a bit more that web swinging um once you upgrade a few little bits and little bits and perks and stuff it's brilliant it's absolutely brilliant it feels, and you feel so, it feels oh. so satisfying doesn't it if if there was yeah. an award for most satisfying game mechanic of 2018 yeah, traversal mechanic it yeah. would win hands down like just swinging through the city just feels so good oh it's just it's incredible and the fact that like what what I like to do at the moment is to just get Spider-Man as high up in the sky as I can and then let him sort of bomb down towards the floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then right at the last minute, pull L2, pull out a web and swing, and it makes my son absolutely crack up. <laughs> he adores it. He's just like, oh, Spider-Man's going to crash. He's going to hit the floor. Oh, no, he hasn't. Oh. And he just loses his mind. And I, would, I could do that for days. <laughs> and... Um, so that and because of that and because he likes like Spider-Man swinging around we've gone around and got all found all the packages. Mm. So that's done. Um uh, and that's just been brilliant like so going there's never been a I'm never the one for collecting stuff in GTA or any of the big open world games. But I like the way that this is portioned out the collectathon. Yeah. It's there's 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 a decent amount of each of the collectibles and side things to do. Yeah. Uh, but they don't unlock them. They don't unlock them in one big hit. No, and, which is lovely. and they're spread out enough amount. Because like, it's not like uh, like the Ubisoft map bath thing where it's just like <coughs> icons everywhere. Like yeah. there's there's they're, they're spread out enough so you don't feel overwhelmed at any point. But it's all and, but all of that stuff is tied into like tokens, which mm-hmm. then upgrade your suits and your gadgets and. That everything is tied into everything else, and I love that about and like the whole finding all the it. collectibles is fun because the traversal yeah. is fun. That's it. Yeah, and it's everything's tied back into that. Yeah. and like I say, and then you top that off with a brilliantly told story, or as far as I've got, mm-hmm. and um, yeah, it's just one of those games where I'm. I've had very few games this year where I'm dying to go back to see what happens next. Yeah. And Spider-Man is doing that for me. I want to come back. I want to see the next story mission. Mm. I finish a story mission and I want to go on to the next one as opposed to what I've been doing in a lot of other games this year, which is 
I start a story mission. It's gone on a bit too long. I I finish it. I get oh, just hit save and then turn everything off and go to bed for the night. Whereas with this, I it oh just one more. Yeah. Oh maybe I'll just do a side mission. Oh maybe I'll find something else. It's always constantly just giving you just that little bit of an adrenaline rush every five minutes and. I love it. I absolutely love it. And um, it's a rare game that makes me buy the DLC. And I think I will pick up the DLC <laughs> for this because I just want, don't want it to end. Yeah. And uh, yeah, like I say, like uh, the, the, there's something so charming about how they've portrayed Peter Parker in this as well. Yes. Yeah. Like I, I said, uh, when we, I think when we talked about it before, like Insomniac gets the character of Peter yeah. Parker and the character of Spider-Man because they are they're kind of they are two distinct sides of his personality um, yeah. like they're they're very different characters and Insomniac just they get that but, mate but like I say maybe all around like you know they they get the characterization of everyone yeah. you know Fisk they get the you know the they get the characterization of MJ spot on you know, aren't May like everyone in that game is a fully realised, beautifully charming character in it, or you know, or villainous in just in the right way, or flawed like some some are flawed and they're just oh yeah, just uh, I think the the shocker uh, guy that you have to fight a couple of times, like e- even he like he, he doesn't want to be doing what he's doing, but he has to because of X Y, and it's so comic book. But it's just so beautifully done. Well, it's, it's a better Spider-Man story than either of the Andrew Garfield films. <laughs> That's it. So that without yeah. fear of being contradicted. Yeah. No. It. it like I say. That, again, it would have been higher on my list if it wasn't so video gamey. But um, yeah, I. I can't. I can't knock it for anything other than that because everything else has just been cracking in that game. Yeah. I mean, it's it's on my list. It's just outside my top five, and we just. Um, just by dint of there were just five other games that I enjoyed more this year, but slightly better, yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's cracking. And I think it, uh, I get a feeling it's probably going to pop up again at some point in this, in these episodes. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it for now. Um, right, my number three is uh, 2016's hottest uh, turn-based strategy game, Civilization VI. Um, I uh I I I don't even want to look at the uh steam clock on Civilization 5 on like how much I played that game. Uh and so when Civ 6 came out I was I was like I can't do this. I I, I can't dive into that game again for the same reason that I had to stop playing Football Manager because it just took over my <laughs> life. Um but then it came to to ipad uh and then it went on sale on ipad uh, around the time that they ported it across to the iphone as well um and i cracked and i bought it and it's it's amazing it's absolutely amazing and playing it on a handhold a handheld system like playing playing it on a tablet um is a revelation because I don't have to be tied to my desk to play it, you know, or sat with a laptop, a hot laptop on my on my lap. Um, it's the full version of Civilization VI, but you know, with the slightly reduced graphics. Not the, the that was ever the the thing that drew me to Civilization in the first place. Um, but you know, f- fully functional version of that game with all the DLC on an iPad. I can just sit on the sofa and stick something on the TV or play a few rounds in bed or 
play a few rounds on a few turns on my lunch break um have any of you guys ever played civilization we're at least familiar with what it is uh yeah, yeah. civ 2 yeah. yeah i mean it's it's civ doesn't change much from from game to game you pick one of a number of historical leaders you raise a civilization from prehistoric um, from prehistory through to uh, an advanced civilization and you try and win by either being the most militarily mm. dominant, um, culturally dominant, have the, the most dominant religion or be the most scientifically advanced. Yeah. Uh, and those, the, nothing much changes. All it is is like they ch- they change up the way that um, some of the different paths play out, uh, adding in new features, new types of building, new types of units, and of course changing up the roster of the um, the leaders. And then each leader has um, specific perks that are that are unique to them. Uh, quite often they'll have like a unique unit. Um, different leaders lend themselves to different play styles, so it's like working out what sort of gameplay what sort of game you're going to want to play and then picking the appropriate leader and then going down the correct like going down the appropriate tech trees and trying to play out in this the the you know the, the way that you want to but then there's always the wrinkle of gandhi declaring nuclear war <laughs> on you or, or whatever um civilization is is amazing it's one of my favorite game series of all time um and that's being able to play it on a tablet is been a revelation it's come to switch now as well and if it wasn't for the fact that it's like 40 quid uh and i've already got it on an ipad i would totally double dip and buy it on the switch as well so that i could play it on my tv um because again it's it's the full version of civ 6 like the same versions on the ipad but on you know on the switch and it's it's yeah it's it's the um the latest and greatest version of one of the best game series ever in my opinion if you like turn-based um not like not like a you know like a turn-based combat but like a turn-based strategy game um like the closest thing you're probably going to get in a video game to a tabletop game uh then yeah civ 6 is some a game that you absolutely need to check out I just heard like they found the perfect balance between civ rev and normal civ with this I mean I love civ rev so but I heard you can turn it into civ um you can yeah if you set the settings up right if you put it on a small map uh and you set it to uh you know high speed Mm. and whatnot and you concentrate more on the military aspect but you can play on a giant map with long turns where everything takes a long time and you can really get into the nitty-gritty and the minutiae of it um you can play it in a variety of different ways uh and there's there's um a number of like that's the beauty of civ though isn't it is just almost like the emergent game isn't it i've played game after game after game and no two games across all the versions of civilization i play no two games have played out the same way even when you even when you think that you've got a specific tactic a specific progression and and like set of tactics nailed down you think right that worked for me last game i'll see if it works this game it won't because (laughs) you have to adjust you have to adapt on the fly because no two games are exactly the same yeah, it's it's a it's a damn good game. Fun fact: Civilization was the first game that I did an all-nighter with. Really? That does not. The very f- that does the not very very me. first Civilization on the Amiga. Yeah. 
That does not surprise yeah. me. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah, man. Literally saw the sun come up as you know, probably, probably Gandhi. He's, he's a nutcase. <laughs> he's probably attacking <laughs> me, and, you know, as the sun came up. That was a that was a bug. Um, something. Uh, something that left in the, the coding of one of the early civilizations um yeah. that's just became a running joke and so they've kind of left it in there so <laughs> when the ai is in control of gandhi at a certain point he decides to get really bloodthirsty <laughs> so, <laughs> to the hell of it which i thought was quite funny uh, that's great but yeah uh, there's there's like a select list of video game developers who i would love to meet and just like sit and just talk to uh and sid meyer is very high on that list of people oh yeah absolute legend that man anyway moving swiftly on uh my number four and nick's number three is the same so nick what is it it is god of war the uh reboot i suppose you could say of the semi-popular playstation series from the uh playstation 2 but exceedingly popular semi-popular Oh, okay. I've I, massive. I tell you what, yeah, it's one of Sony's at least on the PS2 and PS3 days. It's one of Sony's sort of like tentpole franchises. Yeah. Mm. See, I was never interested in God of War in the last two generations, but they've completely reimagined what a God of War game can and should be, and I think they've just they've thrown out the rule book of what a God of War game is, and it's worked so well for them. It's I said last time that uh, that Detroit is a technical masterpiece, but God of War just does that ten times and over. It's mm-hmm. just, it's. I honestly believe God of War in five, ten years' time will be the game that so many developers and game designers look at and say, "This game inspired me to change the way I make games." It's going to yeah. completely change everything we know about games. Mm-hmm. It's that good. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting from a design point of view um, that they made so many radical changes, and for all of them to kind of hit, it kind all of at once. had to though, like because yeah. oh yeah, like Kratos was a relic of the PS2 era, like the the dumb two button hack and slash combo. He was the angry yeah. mascot, spent, wasn't he? He'd spent four games just screaming his way through ancient Greece and killing every god he could find, sometimes multiple times. Uh, in the most horrifically over-the-top, violent, bloody way. Um, Six games, actually. And it was kind this of... Is... There's the PSP oh, Of course, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was getting a bit tired and more than a little dumb. I mean, it was always dumb, but it was, you know, it was it was getting to the point where it was like, oh, God, all right, enough. Enough of this already. Like, um, and something needed to be done. And, like, where say like gears of war or halo just continues to keep doing the same thing mm. over and over yeah. again um sony santa monica are like mm, now nah, we'll just completely change <laughs> everything the entire basis of this game we'll we'll locate it in another country we'll completely change the character we'll not change the character increase like, completely different myth- mythos uh yeah make we'll, we'll like uh yeah, completely different mythos and it's a completely different country. Um, change the character of, of Kratos because he's a bit older and he's a bit... A little bit calmer, relatively. Yeah. <laughs> relatively. I'd um, say that. It's mellow than he's older. Yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, he still <laughs> murders people horrendously in ridiculously over-top 
ways. But yeah, it's it's as someone who always had like a kind of layman's interest in Norse mythology, like um, playing through this was was amazing. Just from if you, like, even if you ignore like how good the story is and how good the gameplay and how amazing the world is and the combat and everything and that axe throwing the axe and bringing it back <laughs> and everything like simply just from a um like uh there's a character that you meet at a certain point who accompanies you you through a good chunk of the game who just recounts stories of the norse gods to you and like i absolutely love that stuff like to the point that off the back of it i went and bought neil gaiman's um, <laughs> book on it's uh, funny you norse should mythology. say that because so did i yeah <laughs> the exact same reason i've yeah it, it's incredible uh it's like you say it's the way that the story is just presented to you it's there's three of you traveling throughout different realms and worlds and at certain point i don't know how they did it it just felt so natural that he'd start telling a story and it would relate to somehow what you were doing in the in the quest well it's and, like all the way through um the kid's name, Boy. I can't remember his actual name. Boy. Is. Boy. Boy. Atreus. Yeah, boy. Atreus, that's it. Atreus. Uh, Atreus has like a genuine interest in the world around him and the mythology and the language and the stories of the gods. And he wants to. Kratos just doesn't seem to care. Like, <laughs> he has such a low. He doesn't care. It doesn't matter whether they're Greek or Norse. He hates gods and they're all going to die one way or another. Um, so he doesn't care. But like. It's it's through Atreus's curiosity that you learn about this world and you learn about what happened to the gods and and what happened to the world and from yeah from a story from a story t- um, telling perspective like I've heard a lot of people say like oh this game is massively influenced by The Last of Us and I can kind of see a little bit of that in there but The Last of Us kind of shied away from telling too much story if you know Mm. like telling story like the story happened yeah um but you weren't you didn't have like a character you weren't being princess brided yeah there was no exposition um you got a brief bit at the beginning and then you're chucked into a game like this from a storytelling perspective this was like a masterpiece it just felt like Three people sat around a campfire telling stories. The way that you learnt about the world and you learnt about the gods just felt mm. so natural. It wasn't forced. It wasn't like, oh, here, read some text or watch a cutscene. It was you being in the world. Mm-hmm. And quite often, the, the he'd be telling the story while you were, for example, rowing a boat. And I'd get to the land where I needed to be, but he'd not be finished with his story. So mm. I'd sit there in the yeah. boat and wait and listen to what he had to say it was it was phenomenal I, yeah. I, honestly it was from a story point of view it hit every kind of beat and note you could want and it was absolutely incredible yeah i, I did exactly the same thing if i got to a dock uh, i just sit and, and wait for um can't remember the character's name to to finish telling his story before i would you know carry on with the game because it's just wanted to hear more of what he got to say and like the cast of characters is incredible like not just those three but um uh there's a female character i won't say who she is for sake of spoilers in case uh yeah i haven't played it yet so i i uh, listening to this just makes me want to pick it up uh and there's like uh 
the two dwarven smiths. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, a few other characters here and there who are just so well written and so well portrayed, like with a, with a level of maturity, uh, but also like, you know, not, it's not, uh, there's a decent amount of humor in there as well. Like all the characters are well-rounded in a way that you don't often see in video games. Like so many games, the characters are very, very two dimensional. And like in recent years, things have, you know, games have started to become a little bit more mature with that sort of thing. But I never would have expected that level of maturity in like character building and storytelling from a God of War game. Like yeah. the dude was like, like. I mean, that is the last place you would have thought that any of that would be heavily from. tattooed, muscled, bald, Spartan guy covered in the ashes man. of his dead family, running around like tearing gods in half, and like, and they took that and and told a really touching and then hit you in the field story. Yeah, and hit you in the fields. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's absolutely unlike uh, and uh, the. Um, I was in two minds at first about the the sort of like the one camera shot from start to finish thing. Like the camera doesn't cut at any mm. point. Like you could play through the Ooh. game in one sitting as long as you don't go into the menus or anything like that. The camera will never cut. It doesn't cut for cutscenes or anything like that. Um, I was in two minds about that at first. I was sort of like, yeah, that's a great technical achievement, but sometimes yeah. it's not the right um design choice yeah but the right choice for the same yeah exactly it's it, like it, you say it used in the wrong place quite a lot in films and i thought this might get a little bit tiresome but it actually helped build this sense that you were on a genuinely like uh, like an, an odyssey like you were following them. you were on an odyssey you were on an epic journey like mm. you had an end point and you could see where you were going to get to and uh, a game is a, a marvel, and uh... so a question for you both. Then, mm-hmm. why is this not higher on your list? Because it is getting a lot of sort of game oh, of the uh... year noms and stuff. And it's what what holds this back? Uh, well, there were three games I pref- I, I enjoyed more. Um, okay, but the well, <laughs> it sounds you know if if this is your third game, there's got to be some kind of negative that that holds this back compared to the two above it it's not civilization six (laughs) (laughs) that's why it's my number four and not my number three yeah um and then yeah there's two other games that i just like yeah well we'll 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 come on to those okay i mean i i think that it's a phenomenal game and the story is brilliant it hits all the right beats but in the end it just isn't for, for me anyway i feel I want to pick other games up more, if you know what I mean. From yeah. from God God of War, it's very much it's a it's a book, it's a story. So I opened it, I played through you it, made to B to C, yeah. and you enjoyed that experience yeah, exactly. And then I'm shut, and then yeah. there's there's not really obviously there's different things you can do in the open world, but from that from the story, and it is really the story that sells the game and the journey you go on. Right. Once it's finished, it's finished. Okay, yeah. so that's interesting that almost like you guys are looking for longevity in your games now and that those uh, close then those kind of succinct experiences you know uh are a negative or are a kind of uh or a detriment i no, it's not it's not a case of that it's it's that it depends what mood i'm in um like yeah. uh sometimes i'll go to a game for a journey and a story sometimes i'll go to a game for 
socializing and playing with other people and in terms of coming to a game for a story and um being taken on a journey there were no games i played this year that were better than god of war gotcha makes sense i completely understand that okay yeah man cool that's all right interrogation over (laughs) glad our choice is past muster (laughs) right uh so that's enough for this episode uh those are our five four and threes on our list um come back next week or the week after depending on when i get these edited um to to hear the rest of our lists Um, next episode in the next episode uh, keep it vague that's a good song that um <laughs> uh yeah you'll be able to as, as always you can check us out on twitter uh, at laps gamer and you can email us uh laps radio at gmail.com if you've got any thoughts on what your favorite games are that you played not the, not ne- like i said not necessarily the games of this year but the games that you played this year then uh, drop us a tweet or an email to let us know um Go and remember to go and check out the, the YouTube channel uh, and at some point in the not-too-distant future over on our website, uh, lapsgamer.com, uh, you'll be able to see blog posts with our complete top 10 lists uh, of our favourite games that we played this year. Uh, but until next episode, ta Later. Farewell. Farewell.